welcome to Everything Acting Podcast. We come to you from the capital of the world, New York City. Join us as we inform, inspire, and demystify the actor's journey. Hey, everybody. I know it's been a while. It's Roz. Roz Coleman-Williams, and on behalf of my partner, Darby Worley, and myself, I want to welcome you to the podcast. Today, I'm flying solo because Darby and I are just so busy. It's really hard for us to get together. So we didn't want you to have to wait one extra second for an episode, so I just went ahead and recorded an intro and outro so I could introduce you to Ron Simons. And he's of Simon Says Entertainment. He is an actor who has turned into a Broadway and film producer. So he also stars in the films that he produces. So I thought that would be an awesome, inspiring story for you guys to hear. So listen up for the interview, and I will talk to you afterwards. I am here with Ron Simons. He is the founder and president of Simon Says Entertainment. He is an actor and producer. And I just want to let you know that he... Some of his films that have been at Sundance and had theatrical distribution. They are The Night Catches Us, Gun Hill Road, and this year at Sundance, he had Blue Capri and Mother of George, plus Broadway. And some of the Broadway shows that he's produced are Boogie and Bess, starring Audrey McDonald. And was that a Tony-winning show? Yep, we won the Tony for that. <laughs> and it won the Tony for that. And um, <laughs> Clyburn Park, which didn't that... April uh, performed, and she is my producing associate at yes. Simon Says. And yes, so there's a, it's 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 become a bit of a team. But we but I but we we jump ahead. <laughs> <laughs> but didn't that win a Tony as well? Um, it was nominated for, for a Tony, but writing? it didn't win the Tony. Oh. Yeah, for design. Oh, best play. I thought. Oh no. oh no, no. You know, I'm thinking. I'm thinking of Streetcar. Streetcar is what was nominated for Tony in design. Is that what we're talking about? No, we're talking about Clyburn Park. Clyburn Park did win the Tony for Best Play. Yes, it did. I'm sorry. Yes, it did. This man has impeccable taste. A Streetcar Named Desire, which the recent revival starring Nicole Airy Parker and Blair Underwood. Have I done it? That's it. That's all the Broadway and all the films that I've produced, except for some things that are currently out of town and on the back burner. Oh, plus, check him out on IMDb. He has his... Law and Orders, and his 27 Dresses as an actor. So, Ron, I'm so excited. <laughs> uh, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Ron. And I have you here because you are the most successful actor who produces that I know. I mean, your films have all been at Sundance, and I guess I want to know, how did you get there? How did you go from acting to producing, and what's your journey? What's your, I, li I like to call this your Superman story. How were you created? Ooh, Superman, so how was I created? Well, uh, <laughs> well, uh, let me see. You know, I, I be, as you said, I was an actor. I came, went to grad school at you know University of Washington. I came here in, uh, in 01, and I started performing, uh, doing stage work, you know, some film, television, blah, blah, blah. I enjoyed myself. But then I got to a place where I felt like the stories that I was either being asked to audition for or that I was seeing out in the world were getting 
they were getting a bit redundant, a bit predictable. In that time, I really met some amazing actors, yourself included, by the way, is in that list. Some amazing actors, writers, directors, whose, I felt, whose talents were not being utilized to their fullest you know, capacity. So I said, you know, someone should create a production company that really helps these stories being told that are not being told now. Someone said to me, you know, well, why don't you do that? And I said, well, you know, I don't know anything about producing. I don't even know what producers do. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm an actor. I guess I could read a book or something, which is what I did. I went and bought like five books on, on film producing, which is what area I wanted to start in. Mm-hmm. I put it out in the universe. I said, I want to produce film. And I told folks all around, I said, I'm producing film. I didn't have a company name, LLC, EIN. I had nothing but a thought, but I was going to produce. So... I commissioned a playwright friend of mine, Keith Joseph Atkins, to write a, a screenplay called The Abandoned, which we're still developing. And while we were in the process of that, a schoolmate of mine from the University of Washington came to me and said, hey, you know, there's this screenplay called Bing Bean and Marcus. And it's really, really good. They're looking for producers and, you know, potentially investors, blah, blah, blah. And so I said, okay, well, you know, put me in touch with them. I got the script, loved the script, amazing script, incredibly well-written. Tanya is a person, I don't know if you, are you familiar with Tanya Hamilton? She's the uh, writer-director of it. Mm-mm. She wrote and directed the first film that I ended up working on, which is now called Night Catches Us, but at the time, it was called String Bean and Marcus. Oh, okay. And, and I was coming in as an associate producer because, mm-hmm. again, I didn't know anything about producing except what I'd read in books. They had bigger money behind the project. That bigger money evaporated, unfortunately, and so I was like, well, that's the end of that, and life goes on. And I'd say some number of months later, Tanya and I got together and she said, hey, you know, if we brought this budget way down, would you consider producing this? And I was like, let's just cut to the chase, you know, weeks of gnashing of teeth and talking to my financial advisor as well. I said, okay, I'm going to do this, you know, so let's just do it. Uh, We hired a producer who had more experience in indie filmmaking. And so my, the, the objective was to shadow that producer and learn on the job. Some drama happened, as is, can always be the case in, in any artistic, uh, that prevented the producer from being able to do all the uh, things that that producer needed to do so that I could shadow him. And I ended up doing a lot of the producing myself, which means I was doing contract work and negotiations. You know, I was dealing with casting. I was dealing with all the aspects of, a, of an independent, independent film producer. And so I was learning in real time. And of course, I made tons of mistakes. I I still do. But it's at the end of the day, we did this film. We got it done. And I remember sitting, I'll never forget, I was sitting at Sundance because we, you know, we did a film that got accepted to Sundance. And I was sitting in the theater and the opening credits started to run. And I remember that my throat tightened and tears started welling my eyes because it was a hard journey to get to that place. And I finally said, we did it. We did it. We made we made a movie. And I can't tell you the exhilaration that I felt of sitting there and knowing that I had no small part in making this a reality from something that was a great script, but had been a great script for 11 years. But now it was a film, a feature film. I got to tell the audience that it stars Anthony Mackie and Carrie Washington. So he got some amazing talents in it. And that Ron Simons himself is also in it. And I also have to tell the audience that you would never know that this was a low-budget film. Well, thank you. I That's high praise. Well, I'm telling you the truth. It does not look like it was a budget that got scaled way back. Mm. 
So from the start, you really set a, a, I mean, and the fact that it got into Sundance as well, you set a high bar of quality. All of your films, every project that you've done has been top quality. What's your artistic sensibility? How do you pick these projects? Well, you know, as an actor, I'm always compelled by story. You know, mm-hmm. So the first thing I look for is, does the story engage me? And I think that I've got a place in my career now when I can read a screenplay or read a book or read a play and see not only am I moved, but I can understand why am I moved. What is it about this project that moves me? Because mm-hmm. I think that's important so that you can know what areas that might need some improving. So, you know, I look for the arc of the characters. I look for the journey. I look for the arc of the story. I look for, you know, the objectives. I look for the conflict. I look for whether it's an important story, if it's timely. Is it a unique story? Is it something that hasn't been told before? Or is it something that's been told before but not in this construct or in this environment or with a subculture or what have you? So I look for something that's different than what I personally have seen. And that's guided my sensibility and my taste and aesthetic from the very beginning. And that's kind of what I still rely upon. Well, amen to that, because it's working. <laughs> <laughs> so you just spoke about being on the, the, the first project and that you were involved in the casting. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of my listeners, they, they're actors. And when you're involved in casting, what do you want actors to know who come before you be a part of your project? Like... What do you like? What do you don't like? Well, I will say the first thing, you know, I understand a bit more about what producers have to keep in mind, particularly when it comes to casting versus, you know, say a director or say an actor. From an actor's perspective, you know, and an artistic perspective of a creative person, which is my background, of course you want everyone to be the best talent that you can find, you mm-hmm. know, bar, bar none. Because if you have, you know, you could have a really good product, but if the talent can't, stand up to the text, then, you know, that's part of the formula that's going to make cause failure. So basically what we looked for in the first film was, you know, people who we felt were strong in their grasp of the, the talent and the, and the craft of acting, but also some that had some heat behind them. And by that, I mean, you know, people who have, you know, a high number on IMDb, you know, okay. I mean? people mm-hmm. who, who not may not necessarily be household names, because I think that, you know, Kerry Washington, though, I think in certain communities has been known for years, by and large, was not known, wasn't a household name or known as well perhaps as she is now, now that she's got this, you know, hit television show scandal. And so we were looking for people who we felt that, from a producing perspective, that also had the, on an upward trajectory. Uh And so we want to be able to, ideally, from a producing perspective, Mm -hmm. you want to find people who may not yet be earning $10 million or Mm -hmm. $9 million or eight or whatever the number is, but might be doing so in the next year or so when your film comes out. Because from an idealistic perspective and a producing perspective, you want the next hot thing. Again, assuming that they are really strong actors. That's number, that has to be a given. And so that's what we were looking at. And I'm going to tell you, it was really tough casting because well, we had a couple of different men and women. And in the independent film world, you can't do what big budget features can do, which is, you know, when you've got $65 million, you can say, okay, I'm going to pay you $4 million and I'm going to lock you in to shoot this film and when if the schedule changes the schedule changes but you know what you know you're going to get your money and in fact there's a thing those of you in your audience might know or may not know a thing called you know pay or play yeah so these agreements were you know 
you sign with the talent that says whether or not you shoot this film, you're going to pay me. So it's an incentive to make sure you shoot that film right. and shoot it within the time frame that you needed to shoot it. Mm-hmm. Well, when you're an independent filmmaker, you it's not it doesn't behoove you to write those kind of contracts because you don't know you don't have control over a lot of things. Money is trying to come in and you're trying to get finishing funds and you're trying to get you know everyone cast. You're trying to get the right crew that's going to make that director happy and work well with the other talent and blah blah blah. So it was a couple of different changes in uh, personnel in terms of hiring. But we ended up with a great cast and I couldn't be and I couldn't be happier with the folks that we had. But I will tell you that as, as an actor, what I would say is don't get your feelings hurt if you go in for a role for a film and it may not even necessarily be a leading role, but maybe a supporting role, and you know that you nailed it. You went out of there and you go, I got this. There's no question about it. You may get it, but you may not get it, and it may have nothing to do with your ability to act the hell out of that role. It may have to do with the fact that there's someone over here who can also act the hell out of that role, but has a higher profile. Mm -hmm. And from a producer's perspective, who is thinking about further down the line where they have to sell this movie, and who's going to buy this movie, those people who care about things that I, as a creative, do not, which is... Can I market this? How much money will I get if I put this film in the U.S. distribution chain? And, and so that may, has an impact. So I'm sure most people have heard this before. With casting, with casting, go and do your best you can and then let it go. Mm-hmm. And the chips will fall where they may. So that was Trial by Fire. Talk about how you took on a partner and how your business has grown. Because you did that one all by yourself, right? That's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. And then talk about your partner. <laughs> what I found was, is that producing is hard work. It was much harder than I could have ever anticipated, even reading the books. For some reason in my mind, I thought that producing independent film, because it's a smaller project than, you know, big budget studio films, that it would take, you know, about a, maybe about a year, year and a half to go from script to pre-production, you know, production and post-production. You sell the movie and all is good, then you go into the next thing. Right. Well, it's a lot longer process than that, especially if things get caught up like you may not find the financing that you, you know, need in the right time that you want to. Or the availability of the actors pushes things out. You know, there are a lot of mm-hmm. factors that impact the timing. I unfortunately took on my next film too soon before I took on the first film. Mm-hmm. And I said to myself, even if this were two-year or three-year time difference between the two, I need some help. And so I was having lunch. I'm April LeVette Thompson, who is this wonderful, wonderful actress, writer in her own right. She does her own one-person shows. She's performed all, everywhere in God's creation. And she's a really smart woman. And we were talking, and she said, yeah, well, you know, I can, I can help you in this regard. And I was like, oh. Yeah, okay. So, you know, we started talking about what she was interested in doing and, and, you know, the kind of help that I needed. And we started off, you know, have her as sort of an admin assistant because, you know, she has done that kind of work for for banks. Mm -hmm. But I knew that where she's going to be really helpful was was storyline and plots because she has written her own plays and she has been indispensable in that regard. So I picked her up as quickly as I could. I made her a producer and associate. She was doing more instant work, but over the couple, three years that we've been working together, I'm moving her up into a producing role so that she will undertake tasks and be a producer at the level of involvement that I am a producer because the two of us can do twice as much as one. 
And so you know, she's helping me now develop new projects, find a new project, talking to other uh, producers, we're talking to screenwriters, and we're finding projects. And of course, we have a submissions process on my website, SimonSaysEntertainment.net, where you can actually submit your screenplay for consideration. So we're just trying to find the next best thing, and you never know where it's going to come from. So we are trying to turn over as many rocks as we can to find good work. We've been really, really lucky, I have to say. I mean, knock on wood, I don't, the film gods have been working <laughs> with us extremely mm -hmm. well. Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't expect this kind of feedback success that I've experienced, you know, in such short order. You know? Yeah, it has been. And you first talk about what are the skills that you have that you've been able to succeed where others haven't in this regard as a as an actor, become a producer, like what it what could what would you be developing in others that, that you think you have that has made that difference? Well, my background is marketing and international business. That's what I studied at, at business school. And I also have a degree in computer science. So I have a very technical business background before I went back to school to study acting. So I have told anyone who will listen that no other job that I've ever had uses more of every single thing that I have learned than producing. Because there are different kind of producers out there. There are producers out there who are work for hire and they can, because they know a lot of people, they can bring the right crew on board. Mm -hmm. They know how to get the, the sound package next to nothing. They can get the film or mm -hmm. the camera or whatever. And then there are the people who are really, uh, but those people may not be good at story. And then there are people who are creative producers who can take a script, you know, flesh it out, help the screenwriter make it, you know, mm -hmm. to the next level and so it's ready to shoot. And then some people are all about the business. So for me, I think I have a little bit of all three of those. Because of my background in business, I know how to look at a spreadsheet. I can pretty much tell the health of a company by looking at the numbers. Because I'm an actor, as I said before, I understand story and understand the importance of story and what a good story looks like, smells like, feels like, tastes like. And because of my marketing, have the experience of working with a lot of different kind of people. And let me tell you, there's all, there's egos like there's <laughs> everywhere else in every other industry that populate the indie film world. Mm -hmm. So I feel like I was lucky to come to this place with a variety of backgrounds that were, I'd say, technical, business, managerial, and creative. And those things, I think, helped me to wear the hat and be able to interchangeably do different tasks because of my you know, different backgrounds. I have two questions that grew that grow out of that. One is, when you are out at Sundance and the dis different film festivals, you must meet other um, actor producers. And um, what are your pet peeves about those actor producers that you meet out there? Not, you know, of course, naming anyone, but that that you notice that we are like, wow, this this could be stronger here, or this could be stronger there, or you mean in terms of their work or themselves? I guess, I mean, you've been able to successfully function at, at a high level right away. Mm -hmm. And there are a lot of people that just aren't. So you must be seeing things that they're not seeing. You know, when they're at Sundance, you're actually selling films. They're at Sundance, you know, maybe they're taking pictures. I don't know what they're doing, <laughs> but you're selling films. Right. So what do you, like, what do you observe? What have you observed? <laughs> well, you know what? I will say this. You know, it's so funny that you should ask me this because I remember before I went to Sundance the first time, uh -huh. the editor-in-chief of Filmmaker Magazine approached me, who I didn't know from a can of paint, and said, mm -hmm. Ron, I'd like for you to blog your experience going to Sundance because this is your first Sundance. You know, this is my really kind of the first film festival I've ever been to as a producer at all. 
And so, wow. And so, <laughs> you know, and so for me to come there and I said, well, I don't know if you want me to be this because I don't, I don't really know. It. I mean, I've never even, I've been to a few movies and a few film festivals like in Seattle, but I've never been to this. He said, no, that's what I want. I want a fresh eye from people who haven't been to a bunch of film festivals as producers and who have new work. So I think it will be an interesting, you know, uh, challenge for you. So I, I agreed to do it. And it's still online somewhere if, if anybody, mm-hmm. you, you know, out there wants to read through it. But what I, I will say is, is that what I have learned now been being, uh, particularly at Sundance uh, for uh, three Sundance Film Festivals, is that you have to have, beyond having a film there, I think it's important that you go there with a very clear mission of why you're there. It's good to see films, but you know, you can see films when those films hit DVD or when they hit theaters. So I don't rush. I, when I first went there, I was trying to see all these films. I've spent $600 to buy a pass. I saw one film. <laughs> you don't have time to see films. That's not why I was there. I right. realized that at the first time. It's like, I'm not here to see movies. I'm here to meet other filmmakers, you know, so that I can find and see future work. I'm here to meet distributors so that we can have a relationship so that if they don't buy this film, maybe they'll buy my next film. You know, so you have to to go to any film festival, particularly if you're a producer, with very clear objectives, and I would say the outer network number one, number two, to sell your film and 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 get it distribution or sold in whatever capacity that that turns out to be, mm-hmm. and the third thing is to learn from your colleagues because that has been an incredible experience for me. I've learned so much over coffee and and lunch and dinners with producers, with lawyers, with distributors, with other actors, and I see their experience and I learn from it. So mm-hmm. I think that when I come there, I came as a as a sponge. I just want to suck everything up, and I think that's what anyone should do. They should go there and suck up as much as they can and figure out later what it means and mm-hmm. try to figure out how to process it and make it organically work for you or be helpful to you. Wow. Can you talk about, your, it, it's so funny because you're so successful and you're so humble. You have a mindset of growth, of, of learning, you know, and I think a lot of people go to prove how good they are, you oh, know? Well, if I, I, I don't even, if I get there and I feel like I go to prove it, I don't even think I have to prove anything except to my mom. I, there's <laughs> nobody else. Mama is about the only one that I really worry about, you know, having ever having to prove mm-hmm. anything to. I feel like I have the same model about producing that I have about acting, right? That there's always more to learn. I'll never, no matter how long I live, I'll never learn everything there is to learn. So for me to think of myself as this oracle who knows <laughs> everything about, I mean, I think that's folly, you yeah. know? I think, and yeah. I think it's going to shoot... I would shoot myself in the foot if I had that mindset because that would cut me off from learning. And there's always something to learn. Every time I meet somebody, another fellow producer, I learn new things. And if it could be as simple as, you know, where it is, who's curating the San Francisco Film Festival? Well, that's Ted Hope. Oh, I didn't know that. Ted Hope is a huge name in the indie film world. I didn't know that. And there's always things happening and evolving. And people are moving all the time. One distributor closes and those three people go to two other, you know, distribution firms. And the way that films are being distributed is changing in real time. Years ago, there was no such thing as a day and day releasing where the film comes out in theaters the same day it's available on demand, on Time Warner Cable. So everyone's trying to figure out 
What does this mean? How is this going to impact my business? How does this impact not only how I make my movie, how much I spend to make my movie? Mm -hmm. What genre of film do I focus on? Is there is there something that's selling hot now that maybe was not selling hot three years ago? So there's always, always, always things to learn because things are always in flux, always changing. So I don't think I could, I'll ever be at a place where I just know it all because it's impossible. I can't believe how fast this interview has gone. So my final question is, what's up next? And how can we support you? How can we be in touch with you? And how can we see your work and support your work? And that's it, so much time went so fast that I that have to just throw that all in. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, let me say that this, that thank you very much. And I, I'm so glad, I appreciate you having me on your show. And mm -hmm. uh, everyone out there in, in Rosland. <laughs> Is that right, Rosland? Anyway. Oh, I like it. <laughs> I'll take um, it. <laughs> I've got always, like every producer, I've got a bunch of things in various stages of development. I've got three or four features that are in development stage that I'm working on the script with a screenwriter. Um, other things I'm trying to read, a project that I know about, so I'm trying to connect with those people because they sound like it might be something that I'm interested in doing. Mm -hmm. um, I've got a play that opened off, a musical that opened off Broadway that uh, out of town that I'm hoping we can t get ready for a Broadway premiere uh, next season. Or the Ooh, season what's the name of that? that? I'm not going to say Oh, I'm not going to say <laughs> That sounds good. I'm not going to say But if you go, I, I might have it on my Facebook page. So okay, I'm going to look. my Facebook page. So that leads me into the, your second question, which is if you want to find out what we're doing, I would suggest that you check us out on Facebook. Mm -hmm. um, we Twitter, um, and we have a website, which as I said before, it's www.simonsaysentertainment.net. And you can help me by, you know, checking out our films, you know, seeing you know the work that we do. And if you like it, Tell everybody. And if you don't like it, tell folks, too. Tell them why you didn't like it. Because, you know, bad press is better than no press. You know what I mean? Because it's really hard as an as a, as a African-American film producer that focuses on uh, underrepresented communities and underrepresented stories. You know, it's, it's, it's hard to get the word out. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So tell your friends. See our movie. You know, go to Netflix and, you know, stream Night Catches Us. Gun Hill Road is going to be on DVD hopefully next month. So Yay! buy it, go Yay! to Amazon, blah, blah, blah. And when you hear of the movies that are coming out like Blue Caprice um, or Mother of George, go there, support us, because I'm going to tell you, it, we can't survive unless we have the support of our community. So I heartily encourage people to do that and follow us. And I try to respond to every request or question that I have. Um, that I get through various sources. So if I have the time, I might be a little slow, but I try to get to it. And we also have, you know, if, if you want consulting, you know, we have a consulting business that we're kicking off. So if you're like, you know, I want to spend half... That's what got me. That I was like, oh my God, right. you can find out for real? <laughs> right. He's going to tell you? That's what got me. So talk about that before we go. Absolutely. So uh -huh. we're, we're developing a curriculum so that's going to start off as a consulting. So if you need, you know, an hour or two of my time to ask anything you want to know about film producing, from how do you raise the money or, you know, how do you get someone to read your script to, you know, how do you cast someone if you don't know who they are or whatever question that you have about producing, um, you'll set aside some time and just go to my website and we'll keep that updated how you can get some airtime and I'll tell you anything that I know about everything that I know in the time that we have. So, honey, sold. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much Thank on behalf you, of my man. listeners and myself. I'm over the moon. Thank you for, for sharing your knowledge with us, even for this short time. Well, thank you, Roz. And take care. I appreciate the time.
to be the show. I just want to thank you for listening to Everything Acting Podcast. I encourage you to go to our website and um, on the upper right-hand corner, there's a donation button, which would really help us out, help us keep these podcasts coming to you. And also you can um, follow us on Twitter. There's an EA podcast uh, Twitter handle that we would love your following support on iTunes, why don't you leave us a great comment? That really helps us out. Um, tell your friends about the podcast. You can find me. Um, I'm at iRoz on Twitter, and Darby is Darby W on Twitter. She's also on Facebook. We are everywhere. I'm on Instagram. We're just everywhere. Pinterest. So why don't you follow us and support the show by liking us and liking the show and I hope I work with you sometime. In the meantime, go out there and have great auditions. Take care. <laughs>